Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Initech. No, you're working at Initech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? Tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars... Hello, welcome back to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom Hound. Eliani on the board. SP Futures up 50 cents. NASDAQ Futures down a buck, Chuck. So, uh, we were up last night, then we were down this morning, and now we're pretty much on the flat line here. Got some earnings reports coming out today. We'll kind of feed those as they come. We have Mr. Brennan. Good morning, Chief. I'm here. How are you? Uh, getting better. I, I got a breakthrough case of COVID, so it was uh, a miserable week and a half. Really? You were, you were sick yeah. that long? You were you, were, you actually were under the weather with it? And it, wasn't, you know, it wasn't just a... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I had, uh, I had symptoms. I was sleeping an awful lot, and uh, it was... Uh, it was a relatively mild case. It was a case, nonetheless. I got it. The uh, I got symptoms the morning after I got my second booster. How's that for uh, for uh, an odd occurrence? Um, our friend uh, Robert just got his bo- second booster. He's flattened his back for two weeks, and he didn't have COVID. He had it was a booster, did it? Really. Yeah, I don't think he had COVID. He, he said he, he got the booster, and he uh, had a reaction to it that lasted seven to ten days. Mm. Well, I at first I thought that was what happened to me because I had my uh, my booster on a Monday afternoon, and then Tuesday morning I woke up feeling a little bit wonky. And um, but by Thursday morning, I knew that uh, it wasn't a reaction to the booster. I thought it wasn't a reaction to the booster, and tested positive. And a couple of days later, that tested positive. So. It was uh, <coughs> a weird occurrence. Um, yeah, I think they. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, uh, I mean, uh, we've talked about it, as you know, so so much for the last two years. I still uh, I have this feeling, and I don't. I can't. You know, I can't prove it because, of course, if you ever did, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't be able to say it because they'd, they'd, <laughs> they'd censor you or something. But uh, I, I think a lot of people. Uh, I think that they took vaccines too soon after they had it. I'm not saying that you did. I don't think Robert did, but uh, some a lot of people that I know here, some of the ones that have done the show, they had it and they had a problem with it the first time through, and then they took the vaccine very rapidly thereafter, like right when they're forming their own antibodies, and they all got it again a second time. It was worse. Now my guy told me to wait after I had it because back when I had it, it was very early. Uh, there there were no shots around, so. I went and got tested for the antibodies 10 days later, and he said, oh, yeah, they're blinking away. You had it, because I had it so mild, I didn't even know I, and I want to make sure I had it. And he said, don't don't get a shot for eight months. And because uh, he said, you want your own antibodies, and then when yours start to wear off, that's when you need the shot. 
and uh, and uh, evidently your natural ones are actually last, last a lot longer than they thought. But so I, I haven't had any any relapse with that. I mean, but I think some people they were recommended for a while that you get the you get the vaccine like the like a week after you had the disease. And I mean, I, boy, I don't know, Brandon, that what little bit I know that 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 doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You wouldn't give somebody the measles vaccine two weeks after they got rid, get rid of the real measles. Uh, but you know, it's all well, different. in our case, in our case, we we can trace back where we both got infected to a possibly went to a park west. Um, we, you know, we have been so careful for two and a half years of avoiding a lot of places and crowds, and then um, we we let our guard down. And it was a Saturday night a few weeks ago, and we went to a concert Park West. Monday, I got my booster. Tuesday, Val got her booster, and like. Um, Monday afternoon when I got my booster, I felt fine. Uh, Tuesday morning, I started feeling a little wonky and uh, and got considerably worse and tested positive on Thursday. Oh, that's, uh, so mine was the opposite. Really? I, I got uh, I, I got the symptoms after the booster shot, not before. So you're you're convinced if you wouldn't have got the booster, you just would have you just would have had it anyway. It wouldn't have made any difference. Probably right. right well. Yeah, I don't think I, the booster had nothing to do with my getting COVID. I'm, I'm, uh, there's I, a boatload. I can trace of it back to. I can trace it back to the to the concert. There's, there's a boatload of people, Brandon, that are. I don't even think that I mean, none of this is being reported because people are just either taking the at home test or just not even taking the test. But that have that have been very careful for twenty year two and a half years, and now all had it in the last in the last few weeks. I mean, Christmas was a major run through here. Every, everybody in this area downtown got it. Uh, mm-hmm. and now, uh, I know it is pretty strange, and I don't know. I don't know what to say about the numbers. You know, they keep talking about the numbers going up, but um, you know, we didn't report our positive test to anybody. Um, no, not, no, nobody didn't see a need to. Well, that's why they. I think that's why they they are sort of using their head, and they're just dropping down to saying, "Look, if there's no hospitalizations, there's no foul." You know, if it's just mm-hmm. if it's going through like like a bad common cold, it, it's just going to go through like a bad common cold. What else can we do about it? Right, I mean, mm-hmm. it, the whole idea of having the shots is so it's milder, and you know, you're here. So, I guess they worked, and I'm happy they did because you're here, right? Yeah. Well, that's why we looked at it too. I mean, we we firmly believe that we had a milder case because of, because of the, the vaccine and the booster, and it, it was an odd set of circumstances that we got sick right after our second booster shot. But it was a relatively mild case. You know, certainly we weren't hospitalized. We didn't have any significant breathing problems, and we had coughing. Mostly it was just a lot of body aches and uh, fatigue. I slept a lot and so did Dow. And, um, yeah, coughing. We had considerable coughing for several days. Um, but no trouble breathing, no shortness of breath or anything like that. We were able to move around, and we just okay. couldn't move around for very long before getting tired. Oh, well, now maybe you're, maybe you're done so with it. Was, it. Like being back in kindergarten, I had to take naps every day. Well, now you're back to, uh, you're, you're back to being uh, good with it. You probably can't get it again now. Between, between yourself and the vaccine, you're probably uh, immune. Well, that's what we're hopeful. Yeah. But, uh, although we do know people who have had, um, even though um, we have a couple of friends who both got their first two shots, did not get a booster and have caught COVID. One of them caught it twice and one of them got it once. It was like a cross-infection. Uh, the husband caught COVID, recovered, the wife got COVID, and then uh, a week or two later he got COVID again. So it, it's a really weird disease. Uh, yeah, it, it seems to be. I wonder when they're going to start changing these vaccines for the new variants. That would be nice. <clears throat> 
Yeah, and we obviously did not get tested to see which variant we had, whether it was, uh, you know, the new BA2 or whether it was Omicron or whether we have no idea what variant it was. We just know that we tested positive for the home test and we felt pretty lousy. Well, the, as my, one of my buddies from Pullman sent me, the uh, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger or else mutates and comes back and bites you in the ass again. <laughs> Which is, I had to give proper credit to Nietzsche for that. <laughs> hey, uh, crazy stuff going on in the world. Um, we had the Fed on yesterday. Well, I mean, I don't even want to. I don't even want to say about this Ukraine situation. This is getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, we know now it's now it's a major. Uh, looks like it's somewhat of a major offensive where they're. What was the word? They're they're taking the males all back to Russia so they can't fight. Or I mean, it's a. It's a. I don't know how long this can go on. Like this is getting worse and worse before before this thing explodes a little bit even more. It seems like it's getting worse by the week, doesn't it? Uh, it does. Yeah, I hadn't heard that they were capturing and taking prisoners back to Russia so that they couldn't fight. But I do know that there's a lot of resistance on the Ukrainian uh, <coughs> citizenry throughout the whole country, and uh, you know I've seen maps of what the potential outcomes would be from a total conquering of Ukraine to uh, the status quo that was before Russia invaded and everything in between. And it really looks weird and nasty. Um, I mean, there's so many different possibilities. But I think that, um, you know, it's uh, even if Russia is able to beat the Ukrainians and take over the country, it is going to be a pure victory for them, but it's also going to be one that fosters a lot of bad feelings. It's going to be like the the Irish in in Ireland fighting against the British for years and years, and just making them hate the British, hate the Russians, the way that the Irish hate the British. Well, I would say uh, you beat me to it. I was going to say you started talking about the different uh, this weekend that somebody, uh, well, somebody sent me an email with uh, all the different possible outcomes. You know, they get this piece of land, that piece of land. I don't know, Brennan. I, I, I'm with you. The, the hate meter is so high, is so high to the top that I don't see them saying, "Okay, you can have this piece, and we're all, we're all friends again." I, I don't. I, that I don't. I don't see that happening really anytime soon. Do you? I don't see that happening. But even if it did, even if there was some kind of a uh, an agreement that you know the the Russians get the Donbas region of the eastern part, the the people, the Ukrainians who live in that part of the country will hate the Russians forever, and the rest of the Ukrainians. Will hate the Russians for taking over their part of their country. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think back to the, the colonization. Uh, you know, it's it, it, in some ways it, it's analogous to my, to my way of thinking to Vietnam. And when even though we have the might of uh, just bombing Vietnam back into the Stone Age, we couldn't change the minds of the people. And you know, one of the things that happened um, in Vietnam for the United States was that the American soldiers were only over there a year or two years at a time for the most part, to do their tour of duty and get out. The Vietnamese people were fighting for their homeland. They had no place to go. In this case, it's similar that the Russian soldiers are coming in and just destroying the country, but instilling so much hate in the, in the, the Ukrainians for them and their, and their forces that it's, uh, it's going to be a never It's going to be a multi-generational thing when, you, when the Ukrainians explain to their children and their grandchildren what the Russians did to take over their country. Well, and, and these people, I think... Uh in this day and age, especially younger people, thought they'd never see something like this. No, I never thought I'd see something like this again. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's one thing to, you know, how can I say, you hear about stuff going on in Africa, you know there's not real 
you know, there's not, unfortunately, governments necessarily involved. It's almost still tribal in some of those areas. And you feel really bad about that. Uh, but, you know, you, you see this going on here. This, this is like something, this is like something out of 1939, for God's sake. It is. I, I agree completely. It is like 1939. Um, anyway, what, uh, did you, uh, you happen to listen in yesterday on that, on that YouTube uh, piece we got with Dan Aykroyd talking about inflation during the Carter administration? No, I missed that. We were uh, we were driving back to Michigan yesterday. Oh, God. Morning, so I didn't, I didn't we'll have to play. We we'll have to play it again this week. Just as Eliani will want to hear it, but it, it's absolutely right. It's it's uh, him saying everybody's, everybody's going to have what a four hundred thousand dollar car. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> <laughs> wants a seven thousand dollars suit. You're going to have what? <laughs> it was absolutely Dan Aykroyd had to be like twenty five when he was doing it. Maybe not even that old. And, uh, God, it was just perfect. It, you swear it was like today. Well, you don't have enough money. It's all right. We're going to print you some. You'll have plenty. That's why we call it inflation. <laughs> it <was> like, <laughs> but uh, what do you what do you what do you make of this now? Now the Fed Bullard, who was the guy yesterday, comes out and says uh, he thinks that the I don't know they have how how can you have that job, Brendan, when you have you have so many bosses and and you know the bosses are supposed to be inflation and, and full employment. But now we've added markets to the top. We've added elections to the top. We've added. I mean, he came out yesterday and he thought that the uh, inflation was uh, already in the market. He's out of his friggin' mind, for God's sake! And it, it, how, how can how can anybody? Whenever anybody comes out, you know, Brandon, I've been doing this a real long time, and I I learned very early on when you when you walk into the pit. My first little tiny pit I was in was Owens, Illinois, Revlon, and Evans Products. What a piece of crap company that was. And uh, those are the ones I traded on my brown badge. And the idea, after about a week of you coming in and saying, well, that one's going up, that one's going down, this one looks like it's unchanged, the idea that any person could you know, can, could tell you what was in the market and what piece of news or whatever, I mean, come on. When everybody, oh, no, this is this is clearly in the market. No, no, it's not. <laughs> how, how, if it is, how would you know? <laughs> I mean, I... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just... But I, I know that's good TV and it's good, you know, it's good radio for everybody's an expert, right? But... um. I, I'm, I am absolutely not an expert on direction. I can certainly tell you what, what I see, what prices used to be before, what they are now, what, what, how they sort of interact. But the idea that you can tell one way or the other, uh, I, I do say that because the Fed has been essentially leading the market for a really, a real long time, that they should get out of that game and they should, they should get spanked real hard for what they're, do- they're doing. You can put, for the last 30 years, you can, you can put a, a chart of Fed activities on top of the market, and you could absolutely say that the Fed has been driving the market back and forth for for as long mm-hmm. as I can remember. I mean, back to Y2K, back to Greenspan, you know, irrational exuberance when he was pushing at rates at 1% for God knows what reason, to various times they've tightened, uh, to Volcker. I mean, you go all the way back, and, and the Fed has been a driving piece in the market when really... You can make a huge argument just say, grow the money supply every year by 2.5% and, and that's all you do. And don't do anything else. Because every time you try to do something else, you screw it up. I mean, basically. I mean, you, you could, I mean, I think I could be, I could find some people that could make that argument way better than I can, but I think you could make it easily. Um, right now, mm-hmm. here, here you are. Now, uh, the last month's number w- was so bad, and I don't know what you, you're seeing over in, uh, Michigan. I'm probably not as bad there, but, it's it's almost panic world here when you go into the stores and stuff. I mean, people are going, like, "What are you talking about?" I mean, uh, 
used cars. I mean, even though last month one of the guys on TV said that it, inflation's turning over because used cars were actually down a little that month. Brennan, an old jalopy's up from five grand to ten grand, so now it's ninety nine hundred. It's okay now. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's yeah. I mean, just just the way we gather the numbers and everything. Uh, I I actually think, Brennan, from what I the way I I walk through it. I actually think that there's a chance in the next couple of months, if you, if you look at the numbers the way I do and look at money supply numbers, I think there's a chance we may have, we're, we're peaking right about now, but not at a number that they're giving you. I think we're peaking, the, if you take last month and multiply it by 12, you're talking about 15.6% on a yearly basis. Now, maybe next month it'll be 1.4 or 1.5, but I think we're we're... Because of the Fed's biggest damage in the money in the money supply was last year, I think we're probably working our way out of the peak. But they're still doing it, so it's not. We, we might come down from one point three to one point two or one point one and stay there for a while. But that's not a solution. But I'm saying, in terms of an actual peak, I think we might actually be very close. Boy, even everybody on the show thinks I'm nuts, and maybe everybody else, uh, even guys you know, guys like uh, Dan and uh, Janitas and so forth. Uh, I think it's, it's because of the particular way I'm looking at it. Because the Fed is so, or the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics is so far behind in their count, their peak won't be for quite a while. I get that part. But I think the actual peak might be right about now, or, or next couple of months. Mm-hmm. So, are, they, so do you, are you gonna, you on the list of, I think he's nuts? No, I don't think he's nuts. <clears throat> I think, you know, but part of the problem is trying to identify when that peak happens. You know, it's, it, it's like, trying to pick a particular stock when it's the right time to sell or the right time to buy, you don't know. You won't know until you look backwards in time. But, and, and as you pointed out, there's a lag in, in the recording of the information, so I don't think we're going to find out whether we're at the peak or near the peak for quite some time. And it depends on, on you know, when the numbers are released, when you look at the numbers, and when you know. But you know, one of the interesting things that, that I've seen for some of the reports is that um, you know banks are showing high profits on their credit card margins lately, and you know, it's not just uh, when they trace it to things like uh, necessities, like food, like people charging more on their credit cards for food, but things like travel and uh, dining out is much higher now than it has been in the last couple of years. And I think part of that is pandemic related, but you know when you're when you're looking at inflation and people complain, it's, it's, there's a duality here. The duality is that, yes, inflation is hitting very hard on things like rent and, uh, and food and other necessities, but there's also some lot of spending on uh, things that uh, would be considered non-necessities, which is both driving the inflation, but also means that there's still money available for uh, other things to, to buy. Well, there's money available, uh, Brandon. That's the second part of my theme is I don't I think that in the, uh, I mean, you and I, I don't think, Participated in a lot of this, but uh, or certainly the people we know. But there, there, a lot of that money that flew out from the from the Fed in the last three years, mm-hmm. en- enormous amounts of dough, and it, and, yeah. I, and I think it really landed. I mean, other other than the checks you got in the mail, which were gone in a you know a month for God's sake, uh, the, uh, the the enormous amount of that money landed in relatively very few hands. So I, I think what you're finding is there's still a lot of people with a lot of dough, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, so 
yeah, it doesn't surprise me that your high-end restaurants are doing real well. It really doesn't. And, but I think if you look beneath the veneer, I don't know that the that the smaller ones are as, as well. And I, you know, you're seeing, and it's, and it's really hard for for people to unless you talk to the restaurant owner. Let's give you a quick story. When we, Dr. J's one of his birthdays, we went to this place on the west side, the salmon bar or sardine bar or whatever it was. Nice, I don't know if it's still open, but nice little place, and uh, it looked pretty crowded, and you know, the bar was pretty full, and. Uh, so, you know, Jan was saying, see, see what I mean? This place is busy and whatever, a Wednesday night or whatever. And uh, so we had dinner. We stopped at the bar and drink. And a guy sits next to me, and it turns out it's the owner. And I said, well, you, you were hearing us talking. Uh, what do you think? And he goes, I think your buddy wouldn't know if if, if I was doing well or not. He goes, uh, you, obviously you can walk by my place and you can see it look full or you can, uh, or, or you look, uh, or, or there's nobody in here. He goes, that that gross part I get. He says, but I could be down 15% and you'd never know it. It's, uh, 15% means 5% people, which you'll never recognize. It's probably 10% ticket. The, 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 you know, the, he goes, I, haven't, I have a full wine list. He goes, I have not sold a $60 bottle of wine in three weeks. He goes, my $30 bottle of wines are pretty good. So I'm not saying you should necessarily, but I used to sell, you know, seven or eight of those a night. And I haven't sold one in three weeks. So you have you have no real idea unless you actually look at the tickets, whether whether people don't get a dessert, they don't get a second drink at the table, uh, they have a drink at home before they come in. You, see, you, know, you 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 can get a gross view, but you really don't. The thing can wobble twenty percent without anybody noticing it, according to the, this. And he was the owner. You know, you know, yeah, well, that, that's fair, and I, and I, you know, I, I understand that, <clears throat> um, and it, it is hard to see where all the money is going and where it is. I also agree with you that there, there has been a lot of money that went out the door in the last couple of years that went into the wrong hands. Some of the loans were given <clears throat> to people who didn't need it or shouldn't have needed it. And the other interesting thing is that um, you know the, the the profit margin or the the bottom line earnings. For several large industries, including the oil industry, keep going up. So, you know, how can you really, you know, say that the things are uh, dire uh, if the bottom line for multinational corporations are still going up? Well, if you have the ability to raise prices, this is one of the, one of the hardest things. Um, matter of fact, I, I professors both at Notre Dame and University of Chicago say, don't ever try and explain this to somebody because it it has no. You'll, you'll never win the argument, but but it's true. It's, in, a, in the short run, there's no correlation between the price and the, and, the, and the cost of production. But you raise prices, the demand curve is one thing, and your supply curve is another. Because if, if mm-hmm. the, you know if you, uh, <clears throat> it's not like leases are going way up, right? So if, if you and I owned our hamburger stand. You know, and there's four of the restaurants around us, and we've owned the place for a hundred years. We're under no obligation if the price of hamburgers goes from eight bucks to twelve bucks. We're under no obligation to uh, to price ours at ten because our rent didn't go up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a price. I mean, in, in the end, the whole world can't be selling burgers for ten bucks if everybody's cost for them. If the cost of the, of the meat in the burger is eleven, we, we all get that. But really, there's mm-hmm. no there's no there's no correlation between 
the price and your costs in the short run. Clearly, if your costs are more than ten bucks, and all you, and the, the competitor, the competitive, competitive price of burgers is ten bucks, eventually you're going to go out of business because your cost curve is too high. You, you, you signed too right. big of a lease. You did something, something. But the fact is, the, the whenever somebody on TV says to some CEO, "This is great, X Y Z CEO," he's maintained his margins. He's increased margin. What does that mean, Brendan? He raises friggin' prices, mm-hmm. and, and 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 his cost didn't justify it. They, he raised them because he could. I mean, the prices for umbrellas go up on the rain, not because the cost of the umbrella went up, did it? Nope. It's all because of need and market demand. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, at the, in the end, it, it, it comes comes home to Papa. But in the meantime, and I, I honestly believe that I've gotten a little education here, Brennan. I'm, I'm stunned at how much more, in, in my opinion, Pricing power, the Home Depots and the Lowe's seem to have vis-a-vis the WalMarts and the Amazons because mm-hmm. they've done seemingly way better. And, and I know I went to the Home Depot a couple weeks ago and bought some stuff, and I'm not going back for a long time unless I have to because I absolutely got fleeced on some light bulbs and I'm pissed. Uh, but I mean, I think they're they're doing whatever they can, and and I think there's less people in there. But uh, I mean, I'm just saying, I, I think the the grocery area is way more competitive. I think they have to be a little more careful in their raising prices because there's there's more com- competition in that area, right? Right. And they're on low margins to begin with. Yeah, they're on low margins to begin with. And uh, But, I mean, I, I mean, I think there's some people can raise their price. I mean, look what the automobile, automobile industry's done. I mean, they, they, they have this chip shortage. Well, they've turned that around. I don't, you know, I haven't gone out and checked lots, but I'm going to say, I'll bet you can't find uh, a base pickup truck. They're not, they're not going to waste a, a, a chip on a truck that isn't all tricked out for eighty five grand. I agree with you. I, I don't think that I don't think that the basic vehicles are readily available. <coughs> um, but then, you know, the other question is, how much of this is marketing, and how much of this is just the consumer's mind? But how many people really need to get a new or a, a recently used car right now? I mean, will, will the car they have, are they going to trade it in at 30,000 miles or 60,000 miles instead of keeping it to 100 or 110,000 miles? Uh, how much of it is driven by the consumer's demand uh, to increase the, the shortage of vehicles? Well, I think there's some people who always want newer stuff, and there's, there's people that don't mind. Absolutely. But, uh, Brendan, we got a dash, buddy. Take care of yourself. Be 100% next week, you and your lovely bride. And, uh, maybe I'll see okay. you. Maybe I'll see you one of these days, you know, now that you're, now that you're over COVID, you know, I can come see you. Maybe. Just saying. Take care of yourself. SP Futures down a buck and a half, NASDAQ Futures down 12. Be right back, Mr. Joel and Cannon. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. 
Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands. But you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rompex, Stacks, and Jacks. I'm Tom on the board. SP Futures down a buck and a half. NASDAQ Futures down ten and a quarter. We watered back and forth yesterday. 15, 20 spook points, negative, positive, negative, positive. We finally uh, finished positive, but it was just a kind of a wander and back and forth. Sometimes 20, 30 points from one direction to the other, but... Really not much on the table yesterday in terms of uh, movement. Uh, Dow futures are up 19. Individual stocks in the Dow, I don't really have uh, anything moving that much. Salesforce up 49. Uh, Travelers up 53. Uh, Walmart up 3 cents. American Express up 77. Nothing major. Boeing up buck 10. Very quiet morning here. Over in, over in Europe, we've got uh, actually a down day here. But for DAX down 104. It's 0.7%. FTSE down 27.4%. Around down 74, that's 1.15. So they, uh, the, uh, uh, they're, I guess, making a little more, paying more attention to the downsides, what's going on in Ukraine. I'm, I don't know if that's really the story, but that's what they're saying here's the headline. Uh, over in Asia, we've got the kneecap 185. Now they were down yesterday, uh, 0.7%. Shanghai down a buck and a half, call that flat. Hang Seng down 490, 2.3%. Uh, the dollar yen is up up 128, so that's maybe a little bit of a problem. But 
Tang Seng is very violent and still can't get up out of its own way. It's probably been the worst uh, performing uh, really market in the last couple of years. Doesn't seem like it's getting better. Uh, Barnes, 10-year up 2 th- basis points to 2.89. Uh, Bund up 9 basis points, 0.93. Uh, these guys said they're going to stop uh, uh, buying bonds. So, I mean, they, they've got a huge cache of bonds over there that they bought when the interest rates were negative. So they're if they had to mark, mark their little uh, basket to market, they can't be doing too hard as a central bank. I think anybody probably cares. Uh, Japan, 0.25, unchanged. Uh, yesterday is the way of review. The Dow was down 39, S&P down 90 cents, NASDAQ down 18. But we, if you're up in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, up till the end of the day, we're up and down, like I said, in the futures. Oil, uh, down a buck 26, 106.95. Brent down a dollar six, 112.10. Natural gas down 27 cents, finally a down day, but still 7.55. That's a big number. That's gonna re- reverberate worldwide at that number. Uh, Arbob down 5 cents, uh, 3.32. We've got gold, which made a run at 2,000 yesterday, and they got slapped back down 560, but 1980. We'll see if we make another run at it. Silver down six cents, 2608, but still above 26, which hasn't been in a while. Copper down five cents, 475, and we've got Bitcoin up 245, back over 40,000 to 40,791. A lot of stuff there. Really. I mean, what do you got for Australian Weather Sports? Cubs win. Yes, they do. The Cubs won. Hello, hello. Good morning, everyone. Currently 6:36 a.m. on April 19th. Let's start with sports. Um, let's start with the NBA. Um, looking at the Phoenix Suns, they will be hosting a game tonight against the Pelicans at 9 o'clock at night. And Bulls will be playing an away game against the Bucks this Wednesday uh, at 8.30 p.m. Uh, looking at hockey, uh, Blackhawks lost to uh, Calgary Flames last night 2-5. to five, And the Blackhawks will be playing an away game against um, our friends in Phoenix, Coyotes, on Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Um, looking at sports... Uh, the White Sox game last night was postponed to uh, today at 5.10 p.m. And um, so you can look forward to that. They'll be playing against the Guardians. And same with the Diamondbacks. They'll be playing um, the Nationals today, sorry, tonight at 6.05 p.m. They were supposed to play last night. And like we just mentioned, the Cubs uh, won against Tampa Bay Rays last night, 4-2. So that's amazing. And let's move over to weather. Uh, currently in Chicago, it is cloudy, 39 with a high of 47 and a low of 36. Phoenix currently partly cloudy, 69 with a high of 100 and a low of 65. My God. And quite a bit of traffic to get through this morning. So let's get started. I'm actually going to queue up a little bit more music here just in case. Uh, looking at traffic, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between Highway 45 and Central Avenue due to two accidents. There's an accident at seven, uh, the 17th Avenue ex- exit and an accident between Holman and Kedzie. Uh, we have traffic eastbound on I-90 between the 294 North Tri-State Ramp and Lawrence. Uh, we have traffic eastbound on 94 between Armitage and Canal Port. Um, partly due to a structure fire between Stewart and West 63rd Street. We have intermittent traffic westbound on 94 between 130th and 87th and between Pershing and North Throop uh, with an accident at Cottage Grove. Uh, we have traffic southbound on 55 between South Central and Route 171 with an accident at Harlem. And finally, we have traffic northbound on 55 between Route 12 and the 94 East Ramp. Whew, and back to you, Chief. When you say traffic, you mean too much traffic. Yeah, when I say traffic, it means please go home. Yes. <laughs> Joel, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Chief. Uh, when I heard you uh, 
talking about the market yesterday, like you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, the um, with with five minutes to go, I don't know if you've been watching like the last five ten minutes of action. With five minutes to go, we were down about twenty handles. Yeah. Then we had a five minute rally that uh, you know put us you know just in slightly in the green or slightly lower, and then you had some Bullard talk, and after the Bullard talk. It rallied another ten handles, and now it's you know giving it all back and then some. So important couple of days for the market, but uh, making the same observations is huge, Chief. Yeah, Bullard. Now he says, uh, you know, he's the one who's been very hawkish. Now he's saying that uh, he thinks it's all in the market because he's very aware that keeping the market up is their real. That's really their number one job. Of course, we all know that. And I don't know how you do that and fight inflation at the same time. Uh, well, you're, see, you're seeing what's happening, Chief, so it's slow decay. I mean, they talk it up, they talk it down. You know, he also threw up three-quarters of a point in there, too, so that that wasn't the most bullish thing to hear. But um, I think as long as the market, I mean, stays, I, I consider it tame. I still consider us basically at all-time highs. As long as we stay up here, I think they got room to get more aggressive. What about you? Well, I, I think they're going to have they're going to have to get more aggressive no matter what. Last month's number was what fifteen point six percent. If you if you make it a year, that's a little high for an interest rate of uh, 075 or whatever the hell it is. Just saying. I mean, we're not. Right, a- what else? What else is going on? I uh, sports are quiet. I yeah. don't have nothing to report on sports. It doesn't. Looks like that my Juwan to Miami rumor is uh, it's kind of falling apart. But I, I watched, see what happens. I watched the uh, uh, Miami Heat. I, those guys play. They, they clobbered Atlanta, and they they play so much better defense. It's scary. Those guys might actually do well, and they don't really have a star except for Jimmy Butler. Well, you know who one of their 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 star players is, right? Well, I just and where he went to school. Uh, actually, well, Duncan Robinson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Do you know that he was at a, a D three school, and then I uh, jumped to Michigan, and uh, Beeline coached him up, and uh, ended up uh, leading us. I believe we were in. Uh, he was on the team when we lost to Villanova, and then I don't know if he went to the G League at all, but it took him a while to catch on. Now he's. Uh, one of the top three-point shooters in the NBA. And another Michigan guy is tearing it up, uh, Jordan Poole. Uh, I don't know if you've seen him playing for the for the Warriors. Uh, but um, actually, Steph has been coming back from injury, and uh, they've been starting Jordan Poole. He had uh, 30 points in the, in the first game, and uh, I guess he really lit him up in the second game, too. I did not get all the stats yet. Well, you know, it's uh, I was watching the Miami game, and I said to myself, self, be careful! Don't ever. I, mean, I really try never to do this, Joel. I never really try and uh, you know put an early judgment on people. But th- this Miami coach, when they put, I don't know who they had, and they fired, put this guy there, and he, he immediately just looked to me, and I, you know, again, you should never do this, but nobody's perfect. Once in a while, you know, uh, I just assume here's this guy who's a young guy. He's going to be a, basically LeBron's lapdog, and he probably couldn't coach his way out of high school. Was I wrong? This guy is an unbelievable coach. Look what he's done with that team now. But I'm probably talking uh, about you're referring, yeah, you're referring to Eric uh, Spolstra. Yeah. Is his name. 
Yeah, yeah. He's been a hell of a coach. Well, you know, had some uh, tutelage under, um, you know, Pat Riley. Yeah. Right? And, uh, you know, I don't I don't make TV show recommendations at all because I don't watch TV that much. Uh, but um, have you seen the new show on HBO Max? It's called Winning Time. What is it about the Lakers? Yeah. Everybody's talking about yeah. it, but I don't I don't have HBO. I got a two hundred fifty dollar cable oh, bill, and I don't have it's HBO. Uh, HBO I'm, Max. It's uh, oh, it's, I mean, you should um, you know, you should go over to someone's house. It has it. I, I tell you, it's really great. You'll appreciate it too because it, you know, it co- you know it goes back to the Jerry West days. Yeah, and, uh, everybody says and it's great. Magic when Magic came. You want to hear an interesting thing about Magic? I don't. I want to. I don't want to ruin this for anybody that's just going to watch it. Uh, but when he was, you know. You know, Larry Bird was drafted a year ahead by the Celtics. You know that whole yep. thing, right? They dra- they drafted him, and so Magic was coming out and whatever. And uh, in in um, Bird had signed with Converse, and Bird was the big deal, and Converse was after him, and Nike was after him. And uh, make a long story short, um, Nike offered him maybe a little bit less money. But they offered him stock in Nike, all right? And he ended up taking the bigger upfront payment from Converse and not going with Nike at that time. If he had got taken that Nike deal, his Nike stake right now would be worth $5 billion. Wow. For Converse. Well, Is that, that a good story or what? Yeah, well, he didn't realize that uh, Nike was going to find some plant in China where... Let's not go into that, but <laughs> but uh, uh, crazy. So wearing those canvas covers, you know. I, I wore them forever. Uh, I wore else, Chief? You need anything market from me? Um, you believe Major League Baseball? The uh, not only are they playing these night games here up here, in, well, you're in the north, but Cleveland mercifully canceled the Hawk, or the Sox game last night. But last week they had Seattle into uh, Sox Park. They only come here once. So they played one game. It rained from start to finish. There couldn't have been 100 people in the stands. And last night, there's nobody at Wrigley. And if, and if, if Tampa Bay, if Tampa Bay, if, it were, if they were playing Pittsburgh and they were coming back, there's no way they played that game last night. So, so Tampa Bay plays three games in miserable weather in Sox Park, and now three games in miserable weather. Do you think anybody on Tampa is going to come back to Chicago for like a vacation? <laughs> I don't think so. Chief, man, we just uh, we got a couple inches of snow here. This has to be on record the worst spring that I ever remember. Yeah, we had a pretty uh, mild winter, treated us pretty well, but not spring. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. I right, take care all right, of yourself. Chief, good chatting with you. We'll talk to you next week, as always. Yes. Blue. SB Futures down 175, NASDAQ Futures down 10. Right back, Mr. Kenny Polkiri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Welcome up here, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tamara Eliani on the board. SP Futures down a buck and a half. NZF Futures down six. We've been kind of slightly negative, but kind of just bouncing around the flat line here. Uh, we have Mr. Kenny. We do. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. What? Uh, so did you uh, get you, you? You talked to Mr. Bullard before he went on the air yesterday, like you usually do? No, I didn't. But I think it's very, very interesting how they always use him as the one to go out and float the balloon. And look. He hinted at a 75 basis point increase. Look, 75 is the new 100 basis point. They're talking about a full percentage increase that you need to get it out there. They need to get the market ready for it. They need to see how investors react. Who is kidding who? Because every week it changes. First, it's, you know, a quarter of a point. Then it's a half a base point. Now, supposedly 75. Next week, it's going to be 100 after they saw the PPI number from last week and what it's going to mean for CPI going into May, going into June. You know, CPI is going to hit 10%, 9.5% to 10% before this is over. Kenny, how, uh, I'll ask you because you're more in the, in the, the real press than I am. In fact, you're in the real press and I'm not. So you're not just more in, you are in. How is it that they've managed to or, or attempting Talk about the big lie. How are they attempting to get people signed up with this year-over-year number and not just the monthly number times 12? Because they're going to use the number that, you know, makes them look like they're in control of the situation when they've clearly lost control. And I think that's really what the message is from Bullard yesterday and what, look, now he said part of his thing was yesterday he wants to get rates to 3.5% by year-end. Look, three months ago they were talking two and a half to two seventy five. Then it was the three percent. Now it's gone from pretty three and a half percent by year end because they just they realize how far they are behind it. So they got to use whatever data point is going to make them look like they're in control versus having lost control. 
and you know, look, you can you can you can make the numbers work for any argument you want. So they're going to look for the number that makes their argument work. Yeah, except for the and the on the ass end, if the inflation ever starts coming down, they're going to be stuck with a high number. I mean, this is going to work both ways when they don't want a high number. Well, no, but then they'll change the way they <laughs> then they'll just change the data point, right? They'll change the way they figure it, and they'll 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 show the argument in their favor. Look, I think, and, and you know what? I shouldn't. They, everyone does it. They all do it, depending on who's in charge yeah. and what they're trying to achieve. So it, it's not. This isn't a, a red or a blue thing. This is just this is just reality, right? They're going to use the data points that that support their their uh, their line of their narrative. Well, you know, Kenny, this is that this is. My next statement's going to have nothing to do with any economics or anything like that. So this is going back to my youth on the south side. Uh, you're playing ball, you're playing softball or basketball, whatever it is. There's always a couple of guys that were just going to be, you know, lip smackers, and all they did was talk. And finally, at some point, you'd say, would you just lace them on, let's play? Or here's the umpire, let's play. I mean, I, I am so right. tired. These guys have been seven months, ten months, two years behind the curve. They're still talking about it. And who's the, the well, new, I, you know, I mean, the, the lady who's the new going to be the new vice chair, she comes on last week and talks about how aggressive they're going to be in their balance sheet. They were buying again last week. The balance sheet's up on a new record again. I mean, well, uh, I'm tired yeah. of them talking, for God's sake. Uh, they talk out of, they, but they talk out of both ends, right? Yeah. That's the point. You never really know, you never really know uh, uh, what to believe because they say one thing one day and then they do something completely different the next and they don't talk about it, right? Because... She said she's going to reduce the balance sheet, but yet last week when they were out buying and adding, they didn't. That wasn't out there publicized. Guys like you have to go find it. They're not really talking about it, right? Well, when they wanted to, uh, and I, this is why I honestly think to that individually, they're all crooks, Kenny. Is because they they told long term the people who were in buried with long term capital last time Russia was misbehaving was that nineteen ninety eight. Uh, they told. Those people were down a lot of money. I don't know if it was Goldman or whoever the hell it was, but one of the firms, they they told those people that they were going to that they were going to cut interest rates at ten thirty, whatever the hell it was, on a Friday morning of expiration. Back right. when the OEX was, they told those people that to get so they could get some money back, and they did it. They did it basically on the on the on the hide of the people I knew in the OEX pit, and that's that's the base of my cynicism for these people. It, it's not just. They don't know what they're doing. They do know what they're doing. They're doing it on purpose. I mean, right, I mean, right now, the, if, if they could do it then, they could come right out and say today, we're not even waiting for the damn meeting. We're going up 75 basis points in the meeting. We might do another 75. Just do it. I'm tired of hearing about it. Well, agreed. And they could absolutely do it at any moment they want. They don't have to wait until May 3rd, although it's only, you know, a week and a half away. So right. at this point, at this point, what's the difference, right? They might as well just wait. But, they're preparing investors. Like I think yesterday's move by by Jimmy Bullis, it just it it it's the repeat of the of the playbook that we see all the time. They send Jimmy out, he floats the more aggressive idea, then everyone jumps on board, then the market gets comfortable with it, and then they move ahead, right? That's exactly what they're gonna do again. Now I'm not so sure what does that move the market's gonna get really comfortable with. I just I'm not sure that that's gonna happen right away. I think I think the the first reaction would be would be negative, and then I think the market would adjust. But um, that's exactly how they do it. That's that's why in my note I said, watch who now joins that conversation. Is it going to be Goldman? Is it going to be J.P. Morgan? Is it going to be Mohammed Alarian? Is it going to be BlackRock? Or is it going to be every other FOMC committee member that's now going to join in? And today we're getting here from Charlie Evans. 
Chicago, your, your guy, and then tomorrow he, Charlie Evans and Mary Daly are going to are gonna join in at some conference that they're speaking at. So listen to what those two say. And, and on Thursday, Jay Powell and Christine Lagarde, ECB president, are going to talk about the global economy. So listen to that conversation as well. Kenny, if, I, if, if, if anybody ever dropped me in that job, first thing I do is have you as my vice chair. The second thing I tell the rest of the guys, don't go out and talk about anything. Let's have our meeting. Let's do our stuff. We're going to be 3% rise in the money supply. We're going to do what we're supposed to do and shut the bleep up. Well, don't you remember? Don't you remember when you and I started this business? That was exactly the way it used to work. Yep. The Fed never held your hand. They didn't tell you come in and lay down on the couch and let me give you a Xanax and ask if you're, if you're okay. They never did that crap. They came out. They said, here's what we're doing. You guys figure it out. They turn around. They walked away. What, what? Now everybody's got to hold everybody's hand, and everyone's so sensitive, and oh my God, you can't say this, and if you tell them it's going up 1%, you better apologize because you hurt somebody's feelings. It's baloney. Why? Why? I got you going here. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I don't. What? What? <laughs> what is. Uh, I just never have seen so much posturing. But I think people are trading on these guys' speeches, and I think they love it. Well, I, I, think, that's, I think that's true. I think they react to every comment, every headline, and you know they, they realize that someone like Jimmy Fuller gets more bang for the buck, right? So they send him out, and then they send Lil Brand out, who was quiet, 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 and suddenly she comes out. She goes from dove to hawk, so she changed her outfit completely, and once again it creates more bang for the buck. And I think they know that, which once again brings up the whole argument: is who's trading on that information? Because they all know if they send Jimmy out, you know, here's what's going to happen, and so they get themselves long or short ahead of the ahead of the ahead of the speech. Well, he, so he a whole other conversation you and I could have, which is mind-boggling to me that any of them are even allowed to have a trading account. Well, he came out yesterday and said that he thought the the uh, increases were already in the market. That was that was very bullish for the market. We were as a forty-point move. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think the I don't think an inc- I don't I don't think a one percent increase is in the market. I think a fifty basis point increase because they've been talking about it for two months now. I think that's probably fairly priced in, but I don't think a seventy five to one hundred basis point move next week or the week after is priced into the market. Now, if they talk about it enough over the next week and a half, maybe it maybe it gets priced in. But I think that's I think that's a little bit aggressive at least right now. Wait, wait, let me give you a chance here to be. Yet another contributor to the show uh, that tells me I'm nuts. I my reading of the money supply and all the stuff over the last few years uh, and what's happening recently, much as you can get information out of these guys, which pisses me off. Uh, the I, I actually think Kenny, we may have actually with the 1.3 percent per month uh, last month, which is 15.6 by the way, if you do the math. I think we might actually be peaking in here, but not at 8, but more like 16 or 17. Yeah. Uh, but, and we, so when I say I think we're peaking, I'm, I'm not, we're not, I'm not peaking on their numbers. I'm peaking in reality here because I think the money supply growth has come back a little bit. It's still growing, but not as bad. Where, where do you think, I mean, these guys are, I mean, even you and I are sitting here, three quarter percent of, where do you think they gotta go? I think they gotta go to like 8 or 9 to actually combat this. Hey. A thousand minutes, they have to at least go to the rate of inflation, yeah, right? right? I mean, remember, Paul Volcker had to go well ahead the rate of inflation to get it to slow down. These guys are so far behind the ball, they've got to get at least to, what is it, eight and a half percent is what the latest CPI number is. They're going to get to at least there. How are they going to do that in, in three moves or six moves? They can't get there in six moves unless they start raising rates one full percentage point at every move. 
Let me ask you, we don't have a minute here, Ken, but I, I'm going to ask you a question about Volcker era. More, the more I research it, the more I'm convinced that because, as we're seeing this time, you and I have been talking about this now for years, uh, the, the governmental numbers, let, let's assume for a second they're straight, which neither one of us believe, but right. even if they are, for some reason they seem to be very lagging. Uh, you know, the, the, even if the people there put out what I think is the truth, somehow in the, in the way they gather the information, it's like they're four to six months behind, it seems to me. Some stuff, no. I mean, they'll pick up a, a gasoline price increases quicker or something. But a lot of the other stuff, I think they're certainly on housing and on rents. I think they're late. But I, I really believe, Kenny, and I, I, boy, I wish I had a, a somebody, you know, a professor somewhere, and I get a bunch of guys and ladies do this work for me. I honestly believe that Volcker was could have taken his foot off the gas six, eight months earlier, and uh, you know, maybe even a year earlier. And he could have saved half the savings loan industry. I think he he didn't have to be as draconian near the end as he was. I think it, I, no. I think we'd already he had already broken the back of inflation, and he could have just let it play out. Uh, and, and he didn't. He just he just kept on it. And I don't think he needed to do that. And I think he, he did yeah. it because the the numbers are just late. Well, that's true. I'd have to do a little bit more work on that because uh, honestly, I was in college when that happened. So while I was aware of what was going on, I wasn't so intent on how he was managing it, but I'd actually like to read a book on that, just, you know, the history of that, to see to see your points, right? Well, um, but I would agree, I do think that he that he became, at the end, uh, uh, a little bit too aggressive, but it was what it was, right? I think you should write that book, and I'll be happy to read it. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Take care, buddy. SB Futures, we're up a buck and a half down, as if he's up 750, be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stock. $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again.
ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. And I've been taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way I've been taking care of business. Stocks and jocks, I'm Tom Owl. I'll be on the board. SP Futures up a buck and a half. NASDAQ up uh, 10 bucks. Uh, we're going uh, to talk a little bit about some individual stack here, which I don't normally do, but some of uh, the people that I do some business for have been involved in this, and, and I'm, I'm not in it at all, so uh, none of my people are, but some of the people that uh, I, I help out are in this Silvergate uh, Capital Corp. And it's it's interesting when uh, these guys, I guess they do uh, loans for you know people doing the Bitcoin and God knows what else. I don't know that much about them, but... The stock has had a high of 220, 230 in November, and then it got down to 90, then back up to 160, and then to 110, and it's up this morning. But just to just to give some kind of, a, of an idea of what how how this plays out in the option world, and I'm not I'm not giving any kind of recommendations here whatsoever or anything. I'm just pointing out prices because these guys we uh, we talk about the VIX a lot of times. You know, we have people on and we we talk pretty in depth about the VIX, and I. I can't help but, uh, as a way of education, you can't look at the at the VIX even if you're trading the uh, SPY, which essentially is the VIX is the, is the implied volatility of the SPY or the SPX, which is the SPY. Uh, you can't say that the VIX where the hell the VIX is this morning. We, uh, I'll, I'll find it here in a second, but you can't uh, you can't say. Uh, uh, you know, well, the VIX is is up thirty cents and it's twenty two forty eight, which has not been as high as it has been, but on a, just a regular basis, that's real high. I mean, your 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 uh, historical volatility in the spider or this S and P is probably like a twelve or something, and we have been near twelve in a long time, so it's exceedingly elevated. But my point is, is when you you can't just say the VIX is twenty two fifty, therefore when I buy these options or sell these options, I'm getting you have to look at the individual option that you are buying or selling. Either, hopefully, you have a uh, if you're going to do this online, that your brokerage firm has some sort of a of a uh, option model in there where you can see what the hell you're buying or selling, or you have a broker that you can talk to that has such information. Uh, I'm looking at this. It's like uh, the Silvergate, and because it comes down to what you, that, I mean, what, what it comes down to is what e- even in the SPY. You can't say the vol. You have to look at the uh, the individual option you're buying. If you buy an out of the money put, you might be paying twenty six or twenty seven. So you want the volatility on, on on that individual option you're buying or selling. You can't you can't just say because the VIX is a twenty two, everything's a twenty two. And and like when you look at the because one of the questions I had from one of the people yesterday who called me up said I want to buy some put protection in this uh, this Silvergate this SI. Now they don't have weekly, so the next option's a May. The April expiration uh, was last Friday. So the stack yesterday was, uh, let's say it's one, it's up six bucks this morning. So let's say it's, it was one sixteen. That's when these options went out. So the thing is, is one hundred and sixteen dollars. Well, the the one ten puts in May. It's four weeks away. They're like ten bucks. And, and when and when you know you really do need to if you buy a stack like this. I'm not saying it's not a great buy. It could very well be, or it could be a great short. I don't know anything about it. Uh, but you, you, you should look at the option pricing as a, as an education piece for you as to how, 
volatile the rest of the world thinks this stock really is. I mean, we're saying that the, the 110 straddle is, uh, well, say the 115 straddle because it was at 116, is $25. So what that's telling you is that somewhere in the next four weeks, the market is pricing a move of $115 stock at $25. So that means expect this thing to be like 90 or or 140 And whether that means you should buy it or sell it is above my pay grade, but it, it is definitely a, uh, a piece of information that you kind of want to have where you sit there and so... Even if I'm if I'm right with this thing, and someday you know when I'm in my racking chair and this thing's seven hundred dollars and it's the world's best company, it's going to be a bumpy ride, and it and it's and it's very difficult when you say you're in for the long term. If you were to buy this thing yesterday at one sixteen, and sure enough the straddle guys were right, and, and three weeks from now it's at ninety, but it doesn't mean that it, you know next year it won't be one ninety or two ninety or God knows what. But the uh, uh, it's just one of those situations where you have to, you know, be, you know, just believe what the market's telling you. We have Mr. Lou. Hey, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm I'm great. Your your timing is impeccable. This is the first time I've been uh, cold called, well, and it just happened to be that I've been up since four a.m. So <laughs> what have you been doing up since four a.m.? Oh, I I don't know. Just you know, when you get to be a certain age, you wake up at four a.m. <laughs> Well, it's funny. I went to sleep at that time. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, the bars closed at three thirty, so Eliani went to sleep at four. You know, well, it's, this is Denver, not Chicago, so uh, the bars are the bars have been closed for a while here on a Monday night. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is like the first time I think this has happened where uh, you guys have uh, had to call me on uh, on short notice. Well, Mister so. Mister Mike Hart's been kind of in and out. He's had some uh, uh, issues, so but uh, we'll, we'll have him back. Uh, Mike's a good that, guy. That, that's, I hope he's. I hope he's. Uh, I hope he's okay. I hope it's no problem. But uh, happy to talk to you about the mask mandate and yeah. uh, what uh, what's going on with that. I read that opinion yesterday. It was pretty interesting. What uh, you also got to give us a, a, a clue as to what's what's going on with the uh, they're, they're dragging people back to Russia now. What, what's that all? Is that true or is that just? Well, that's been happening. That's been happening for weeks. They've been kidnapping children and uh, and uh, Ukrainian citizens. I'm just going to say, there's a really interesting piece that I put up on my Twitter feed, and, and somebody can find it if they want. I just posted it, or I'll try to try to send it to you. But I don't think I don't think people in the West really understand the kind of culture that that is being revealed here by by Putin, and he's basically drawing back the curtain on the way the Russians look at. Uh, the rest of Eastern Europe and uh, and their and their former vassal states. When Vladimir Putin said in 2007, I believe that Ukraine does not exist as a country, that it's a fiction. Uh, he wasn't joking. This was not just hyperbole. They they actually believe this, and um, you know their their culture. Their political culture, their historical culture, this is all perfectly consistent with the idea that it is proper for us to wipe these people off the face of the earth as an existing nation and as an existing people. 
they need to be russified and if they are not russified then they are the enemy and uh, I, we don't we don't think like this the West does not think like this but but a lot of people in Eastern Europe and Asia think like this well when you say um, a lot of people uh, we have some time we'll dig into this a little bit I mean I uh, as you know the guy one of the guys used to be on the show uh, before he uh, got too many clients, I guess. Uh, Fari Hamzi. Uh, Fari's from. Yeah, I remember Fari. Yeah, Fari's from, from, uh, from Iran. He's from Iran. His dad was, what, the Air Force guy or something, one of the Shah. And, you know, Fari will, will say that they, they have this kind of brutal group that runs the place. And he said, but the, the, they, there's maybe 10% of the population that thinks the way they do. But the rest of the people would rather. You know, be wearing blue jeans and walking around. The rest of the people would much rather be, it, it, uh, you know, uh, moving toward the West or whatever. I mean, I... It's I, a significantly larger percentage of the population in Russia. Well, now, and so in, in, what, what is... Uh, you're the only person I can ask this. What is, what is the regular Russian? I mean, I've met some people here from Russia. They don't think they should be in there killing kids in, in uh, Ukraine. I mean, uh, I don't think they do. I mean, uh... What, how pervasive is this? Do you remember? Do you remember my telling you when this this thing started that Putin was tapping into great Russian nationalism as part of his push? Yeah, my question this I guess is, is how how deep is, is, is that? This is what this is. But how how deep is it? Is it? It's people not oh, wanting to deep. Dis- so it's not just them them not wanting to disagree with him. They actually no. Believe it. This is this is this is a cultural. This goes this goes past communism into a much deeper kind of darker place but the Russian the, the Russian culture is well if you if you read any Russian historians um, and you you read and I mean it's been a long time since I've read Russian poetry in Russian but if you read this stuff one of the things that comes out is the culture of Subjugation. It's a it's a cultural legacy from the occupation by the Mongols for several hundred years. The, the Russians refer to it as the Tartar yoke that that the country was and the, and the people were subjected to. It was a racial uh, cultural thing when when Genghis Khan and his people came out of the came out of the east and subjugated Russia. So so there is a a massive sort of cultural desire for control and and a feeling that if you are not in this thing with us, you are um, you're not trustworthy. The 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 only way I mean there was a Polish general who expressed this fantastically. Um, I'll, I'll try to find the link and send it to you guys. But what, what he said was that Russia will always be a threat. The Russian culture and Russian mindset will always be a threat to Poland because, the, because Poland was free, and, and the Poles look at freedom as a right. For the Russians, freedom is not a right. It's a threat. And, and a culture that they consider, to, they consider to be part of their country that views itself as being now free is a threat and an abomination and that's the right word I think abomination to Russia it's a 
existence is an abomination to Russia. And as a result, when you think like that, and when you and, and again, there's a Putin is not the Lone Ranger on this. He is tapping into some very deep-seated historical and cultural uh, themes that that, that Russians, but, but the place you know, so Russian people have been educated in. When you think of another culture as an abomination, then all kinds of things become possible. And and what's happening in Russia right now with the kidnapping of these children and the the, the forcible removal of these people from from Ukraine and the destruction of their passports and all of their identification documents. This mirrors what was done in in the 30s by Stalin and in the 40s by Stalin and his people, where they relocated huge populations out of Ukraine, among other places, into the, the you know, central Asian part of of uh, the Soviet uh, the Soviet Empire. It's the desire to destroy the culture, to break it up, to make sure that it cannot exist uh, within the within the greater Russian sphere of influence. I get my uh, question, and there's no way you can uh, answer this a little bit. I, I'm going to I'll give you an example of what I'm, I'm fishing around here for in my usual fishy way. Uh, we had a group of people here. We some people were affiliated with the firm. Had a group of people here from China and one of these agricultural things that the Department of Agriculture here does but over there. There's a lot of meet and greets. Where, hey, but they're over here, and we, you know, we took them on a barge trip and uh, gave them some lectures on how crop insurance works and we took them an ethanol plant and that kind of thing. And uh, they were a, a interesting group. Uh, the leader was this lady who's like 28 years old. She'd been working for the agriculture group over there for a while. So of course we have a dinner and they invite this guy from the. Options Institute, and uh, I don't know he had MS. I hope he's still he's still with us. But in the middle, he was one of these guys that likes to lob out, uh, or shall we say, in, incorrect things. And we're at dinner, and he goes, "Gee, what about that Taiwan?" <laughs> and this is like a dinner, right? So the one lady was ready for it, and she goes, "Well, we all view Taiwan as like the." The teenager runs away from home and uh, mm-hmm. sows its the prodigal, the prodigal son uh, for the prodigal son routine. And, but I never got a chance to ask her, Lou. I never, I never got, never was anywhere near alone with her or anybody in the group, and uh, not just if she did. She was a female. Never had a chance to ask her. Hey, come on. There's just the two of us. Do you really le- believe this BS, or is that just the party line? I, mean, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is: does somebody in, Vl- in Vladivostok? Is this a, is this a Moscow thing? Is this a countrywide thing? I mean, how unified is is Russia? I would consider in this? it to be. I would consider it to be a countrywide thing. Really, it's not. It's not held. It's not held by every Russian, obviously. But but the Russian elites, whether they are located in Vladivostok or Kamchatka or Arkhangelsk or Moscow or Saint Petersburg. Would say this is effectively right. So they Putin, they think it's okay Putin to run in and a lot of support. So they think it's okay if you were to interview you know somebody where he, he knows he, he couldn't torture him if he said the wrong thing. Like a regular Russian, he's going to say, "Oh yeah, we have every right to go grab these people and take their kids and throw them back at Russia." They got the right. Are you are you aware of the intercepted phone calls that the Ukrainians have been playing back for the West Western press? Uh, no, between, I'm not. Between Russian soldiers and their wives. No, you got to look that up. There's at least one conversation where this woman is talking to her husband, and uh, he says, "Well, you know, 
she said, how are the Ukrainian women? He goes, well, many of them are attractive. And she says, well, you you can go ahead and rape as many of them as you want. They, they you do, do, do whatever you want to them. Just don't tell me about it. And he said, you're serious. And she goes, I'm absolutely serious. Rape, rape as many of them as you want. Just use protection. What about guys like it's us? This, that serious, this serious phone call. Uh, we both, and, we and both have. Not, a, this was not an isolated instance. There these these intercepted phone calls talk about things like go ahead and steal. I need a nice refrigerator. Uh, we had thought, we talked about this last week. Yeah, steal as much as you can. You know, take. The, this is this is not a war of. Well, back up. War is politics by other means. So the Russians now are convinced, the Russian leadership and the Russian elites are now convinced that the only way they're going to be able to deal with Ukraine is to destroy it utterly. Because the Ukrainians are not coming back into the fold. I really do think that that the, the Russian leadership and military leadership assessed what was about to happen in Ukraine as, you know, from their perspective, will knock out these Nazis in the leadership and the rest of the population will look around and say, ah, oh, well, we're back part of Russia again the way it's supposed to be. They do not, they do not understand the, the nationalism that is present in Ukraine and the incredible anger that the Ukrainians, you know, I was, I was there in, I was in Kiev at the end of the 90s and early aughts. And, and the Ukraine, the Ukraine people are not, were not proud of being part of the Soviet Empire and were quite happy to be away from Russia as far as they could get culturally and politically. Well, God, now, yes, they, they, had a, they had a country that was barely functioning and was horrifically corrupt, which is one of the reasons, by the way, why Joe Biden was and Hunter Biden were dealing over there. But but the bottom line is they they are were vehemently opposed to to having you know reintegration with Russia and I don't think the Russians Russian leadership really understood that they certainly didn't understand the nature of the fight that they would be facing going in there alright so the, the thought of uh, some well, Russian this is a very long way of saying the Russians are deadly serious about destroying Ukraine as a functioning country and culture well, it's and one of, that uh, means they have to kidnap the population, take their children, and re-educate them, and scatter their people, and and fill and uh, leaven the earth with salt. That's what they'll do. So here's my question. I'm so curious about these kinds of things because this is just history repeating itself pretty much to a T. Why do you think wars like this? I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not war. It's horrific BS. But. Why do, why do things like this keep happening? Almost like it's almost like clockwork. Like I don't understand how wars like this just keep coming about. Like I I don't know what possesses an entire nation to consistently repeat its mistakes, and it didn't that's work. Because that's <laughs> that's because you are the child of a Western liberal democratic education. If you had been educated, and I, I mean, I this is why this is why foreign travel is so important. <laughs> Yeah, I always have to travel. Yeah, you go over to East, you go over to Eastern Europe. If you went to Eastern Europe in the in the nineteen seventies or nineteen eighties, mm. and you wandered around, you would have you would have found a very dour, unhappy looking people. The, the the general focus of Eastern Europe 
in this area where Russia and Poland and Germany and Austria-Hungary have fought over centuries is not a happy place because it's been a constant shift of tribal warfare. And, and you know, uh, if you want to read a good book on this, Barbara Tuckman wrote a book called The March of Folly, okay. which I think tries to address your question as to why people, why leadership is so stupid. But, but I, I don't have a good answer for you except to say that, that, that large bureaucratic institutions like governments and militaries have a certain amount of human inertia that, that moves them in directions that are just dumb in retrospect. Yeah. You, you, I, I assume you know that nobody really understands why World War I started. Nobody does. Yeah, literally no one has a clue. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean some, some, some minor political official is assassinated in Serbia, and, and the next thing you know, Germany is marching across Belgium and attacking Russia, and, and everybody else is going all in. Well, and, look, yeah. There was no justifiable basis for it. Except that these people had said, "Well, we got to sign. We've got all these treaties signed, and and you know, what are we going to do?" Yeah. Loaders, uh, and there's a a book that uh, if I had it, I'll, if I can find it, I'll give it to Eliana. I think it got lost in my parents' flooded basement, but uh, it was called the Bond, well, not that Bond, not Bond for the Bay, Fall of the Dynasties, mm. it, and it had to do with uh, every one of the. This is before World War One, and they address essentially the same thing that you're, you talked about, uh, Lou. That you can't put your finger on why it started, but if you went through every single one of these incredibly corrupt, there's a, well, the, who the, the Germanys were who the Hohenzollerns, did I pronounce that right? Hohenzollerns, uh, yeah. And then the, the the Habsburgs were in Austria. And then you had the who were the guys that ran the Ottoman Empire? It was those guys. Then there was the the Romanovs in Russia. And I don't know where the hell they had a couple others, but they basically took every single one and talk about the amount of inbreeding, the amount of corruption at but, these courts. But that's, but that's that's too easy. No, no, no. I, but, I look at this. I'm saying is, I look at this. A genetic reason. A genetic reason. I could at least. Understand. No, no, no. That's, that's, not, that's not where I'm going. I'm saying the amount of uh, uh, population growth. The economics was not uh, growing for everybody. You had, and and the arms race was totally out of control. So if you took like those five things together, people sort of needing land, people having people that were hungry uh, that they couldn't deal with because of the the, uh, the the ineptitude, like you're saying, of the of the ruling people. And oh, by the way, this arms race was just running and running. So it's somewhere along the line, whatever, whatever, whether it was a matchup, somebody's behind. There was going to be a clash that started it. This, that was the conclusion of the book. They, why it did and who did it, they're, they're with you. They're absolutely, and so am I, by the way. But, but, but if you take, okay, so you, you take a, you take an ideological worldview. And this, this, I mean, we don't need to reach back to World War One. No. Let's look back to the invasion of Iraq in 2003. Yeah. Mm. The run-up that we justified that. Right. The, the, the basis for it, I, I mean, it was a combination of things. I understand why we thought there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq because because Saddam Hussein wanted us to believe that and was working to convince us to believe that. Yeah. What I didn't understand, and I, so I get that, and that might have been, and he was supporting terrorism, and that might have been a that might have been a, a legitimate basis to go in there. 
What I didn't understand was the ideological blinders that were on the neocons that said, we're going to go in there and we can set up a functioning democracy in a place that has never had Had that. I wouldn't and yet, and, and yet they they said that, and, and everybody, you know, there was lots of, of, of you know, talk about this, this idea that we're going to conduct this experiment. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I don't think the real world, I don't think these people are looking at the real world. Jim, and of course they weren't. Well, they were ideologues. Uh, it, it's, the same, it's the same thing we see in our, in our, our COVID response. You know, every administration. I just finished a book uh, on uh, on on pandemics and epistemological or epidemiological responses to pandemics, written in 2018. And this guy is talking about. He's a well-known epidemiologist. He knew what he was doing. He'd been at the head of uh, public health policy on epidemiological responses to a number of diseases. And he talked about how these. You know, every Every administration has all this stuff set up. They have all these plans. They have they have stuff in place. They have a, a measured response. Every single one of those plans went right out the window when COVID hit. Did you uh... lockdowns? Lockdowns were never part of that response. But because the lockdowns were thought to be politically damaging to a particular president who was in power. And because this was going to be a way of damaging the the uh, the body politic that a bunch of people wanted to get rid of, we ran with lockdowns. Um, We've never done that before. I'm going to push back a little on that, Lou. I, first of all, there was, there was a just what you're talking about. There was a I don't watch 60 Minutes all that often, but uh, very early on, they had some some lady on there who had to be, I mean, well into her 70s. And she was part of whatever group you are talking about in Washington that every administration, I think it was, was it Eisenhower, was the first one to put together what is going to be our response to some kind of a, you know, the flu of 1918 or whatever it was, uh, sure. Spanish flu. And, and she had this booklet, and it had to be, you know, three, 400 pages long. It was all ring, ring bound. And she goes, here's the Eisenhower one, and here's the, the Kennedy one. <laughs> and she goes, she had a stack of them. Maybe, maybe, maybe there wasn't a Ford one because he wasn't in there long enough. Whatever. She goes, every single president has, has updated this when they come into office. She goes, but they yep. basically all go back to the, the same sort of thing. This is what we're going to do or whatever. And she goes, we didn't follow any of them. But but here's no, we promptly ignored it. Yeah, but here's the weird part, Lou. I, I there, there's there's a there was a news conference I was listening to which I never should have. But what's his name? Our buddy Pritzker. When he was having, having news conferences every day, uh, he has a pr- news conference on a month, on a Sunday, right? Which is by, by the way, by the way, I saw one of the greatest Twitter memes I've ever seen with Pritzker in one of those very unflattering shots that shows that he is almost as wide as oh, God, he is tall. Oh yeah, he's a uh, you know with his stomach sticking out in front of him, and <laughs> and it, it said meal team six. My, as, as my my brother came back from the trading floor one day, and he goes, "I heard the greatest thing." He goes, "Somebody wandered by, and they and they go, uh, if he was two inches taller, he'd be a perfect sphere." <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Let, let's go to break, Luden. 
I'll, I'll go with the rest of the news coverage when we get back. SP Futures, we're up 275 now. NASDAQ Futures up 16. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board. SP Futures now up four. As if you're up 23, we're starting to heat up to the upside here a little bit. Dow's only up four, but uh, individual stocks. I got CVX. Uh, uh, Chevron Texaco oil price down a little bit. They're down a buck twenty-two. The Goldman Sachs up a buck forty-two. So the, the Dow is is very quiet. Uh, actually, the whole market is pretty quiet here this morning. We're in Europe, these guys are to the downside, but not as much as the last time we looked. DAX had been down a, a whole percentage. They're not now down ninety-eight points, point seven percent. Puts you down thirty-two point four. Kick around down seventy-four. They are full percent. They're one point one five. Those are the guys that were one, over percent. They're still down quite a bit. Uh, Asia Nikkei up one eighty-five point seven percent. Shanghai. Unchanged, well, down a buck, Chuck, but unchanged pretty much. Hang Seng down 490, however, it's 2.3%. Uh, 
Uh, Hang Seng has been doing all the, the back and forth on these Chinese internet companies and high tech companies. All that trade is really in, in, uh, in Hong Kong, not really in Shanghai. So that's what's why you see this one up and down all the time. Uh, bonds, 10 year up two basis points, 2.88. Uh, the bond actually was 2.91 yesterday for a little while. Uh, the bond, uh, up nine basis points, 0.93. I don't think we have to worry about those guys going negative anymore. I just wonder what the losses are the, in the bond portfolio of the European Central Bank. Uh, unreal. Uh, remember they bought bond, bond after bond at negative interest rates and now the interest rates are almost getting to be 1%. Uh, Japan up one basis point to 0.26. Uh, yesterday, uh, Dow was down 39, S&P down 90 cents. NASDAQ down 18, so very, very slow. We wandered up and down 20, 30 points in the S&P several times yesterday and it closed pretty much on the flat line. Uh, oil, down a little bit today. Well, maybe more than a little bit now. Down's down 264. It's on a buck something earlier. It's 2.5%. It's 105.57. Brent down 260 to 110.62. Natural gas down 49 cents. First drop we've seen that in a while. Still over 7 bucks at 7.32. Arbob down 8 cents to 3.29. We've got gold. Down 450. You made that run yesterday at, at the what, 1999 or something, and it got slapped back at, at 2000. We'll see if it makes another run today or this week or never. Uh, silver up three cents, 26.18. Copper down six cents, 4.73. Last but not least, Bitcoin's up 456 at 41,000 in two, almost 41,000 even. Eliana, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports, all kinds of traffic, lousy weather. What oh, my God. Yeah, the traffic this morning is pretty intense. I'm actually just wrapping up <laughs> this last little bit that I have to order, get on the order sheet here. But uh, let's start with sports. Um, currently, it's uh, 7.36 a.m. on April 18, uh, 19th. Good morning, everyone. Uh, starting with the NBA, uh, Suns will be hosting a game versus the Pelicans tonight at 9 o'clock, so look forward to that. And uh, the Bulls will be playing an away game this Wednesday against the Bucks at 8.30 p.m., so look forward to that as well. Uh, looking at hockey, uh, Blackhawks lose to Calgary Flames last night 2-5, to and the Blackhawks will be playing an away game versus our friends in Phoenix, Coyotes, this Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Um, looking at a two-game postponement yesterday for our friends in Phoenix, the Diamondbacks will now be playing the Nationals tonight at 6.05, and the Sox game last night was rescheduled as an away game against the Guardians for today at 5.10 p.m., so look forward to that. And in good news, the Cubs beat Tampa Bay Rays 4-2, so that's pretty exciting. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, uh, the sun was peeking out a bit earlier, but it is now gone. So we are looking at cloudy, 39, with a high of 47, low 36. And Phoenix right now currently uh, partly sunny, uh, with a high of 98 degrees, currently sitting at 69 degrees, with a low of 64. A uh, hell of a lot of traffic this morning, so let's get into that. Uh, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 83 north to downtown, approaching the 290 and 94 construction intersect. Uh, traffic westbound on 290 between Homan and Harrison with an accident at Costner. Traffic northbound on 294 between Roosevelt and Irving Park Road. Traffic southbound on 294 between Irving Park Road and 22nd Street. Uh, traffic eastbound on I-90 between Lee Street and Lawrence. Traffic westbound I-90 between Lawrence and West Higgins. Traffic eastbound I-94 between Tui and Canalport with an accident between South Normal and South Stewart. Uh, we have traffic westbound I-94 all the way from 130th to Tui. Uh, we have traffic northbound on 57 between uh, 119th and uh, the 94 East Ramp. We have traffic northbound on 55 between Highway 45 and the 94 East Ramp. Uh, we also have traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East 31st Street and East Grand. And finally, traffic southbound between Michigan Avenue, uh, sorry, southbound on Lakeshore between Michigan Avenue and East 18th Street. Whew! Be what? careful driving, everybody. I'd turn back if I were you. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, Lou, would you... Uh, 
Abandon your cars now. Abandon ship. <laughs> Abandon ship, I say. So, Lou, would you have uh, been happy at the Cub game last night? They're playing Tampa Bay, so they couldn't really call it because they don't come back here. And it was, was it a solid 37, 39 through the whole game? A little bit, little bit of wind thrown in last night. Would you have been happy in, out in center field, Lou, in the bleachers? No, and, uh, you know, it, it's been we, – we, the Cubs were out here. Uh, up until like the day before yesterday, yep. And they had they had some really interesting weather. Some generally sunny, you know, kind of warm weather. Except that the wind was, you know, we had a couple of days where the wind was up around thirty miles an hour, and that's uh, that's not good in that stadium. So uh, no, I I don't miss April games at Wrigley, not not at all. No, it's a uh, well. They had this week has been particularly miserable. They had a game at Sox Park. The day last Thursday, the wind had to be blew up in the office, the, 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 the Stacks and Jacks headquarters. It was howling through these windows. <laughs> I mean, we're talking 50, 60 mile an hour gusts like all day long. Well, they, the, they, the inning that the, uh, the Marlins missed, uh, not the Marlins, uh, the Seattle, they missed like three fly balls in the infield where nobody even touched them. Yeah, it was totally. But I want to get back a little bit. I saw it with the the COVID response, and you know, I think people got. I was listening to this news conference with Jay Pritzker, and I'm not a huge fan, but he comes on, and one of the governors or two of the governors had just done, you know, some some kind of crazy lockdown thing that you and I would probably not have agreed with, but and uh, and he was resisting doing it here. They, he, I, mean, I, I I couldn't tell who was, you know giving them the heat from the press side but there were four or five female voices in a row Lou, you, you wouldn't have ab- you wouldn't have believed the abuse the governor the governor from Michigan has felt it's necessary to make this move to to save her people and to relieve her hospitals and, and you refuse to do it it had nothing to do whether it was it was people were panicking to have somebody do something no matter what it was whether well, it was, well I'm, I'm not I'm not talking about yeah. Okay. So, so point number one: we have all these plans. We immediately blow them up and start going to lockdowns, which we've never done as a pandemic response in this country, and for which there was no evidence—at least of the way we were locking down—there was no evidence that they were going to be effective. We we reacted like that. I mean, nobody stood up and said, "Hey, wait a minute. Here's here are our plans for this." I, I, I think I, I I do believe that this was done in a deliberate effort to damage uh, the Trump presidency as part of that part of that plan. I don't come up with a good reason for it otherwise. I uh, but let's but let's 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 skip skip past that. If you and I let's right say up. the first the first three months, let's say the first three months of this thing. We didn't know what was going on, and so we were we were entitled to a panic attack, right? But by the end of May, and you and I had this conversation at that time, Chief, in 2020. By the end of May 2020, we knew a that the lockdowns were actually costing us more life hours than the disease was. B that they weren't really effective in stopping the spread. C that masks were making no difference whatsoever in terms of, of contagiousness, and D, that our public health establishment was perfectly willing to sanction large-scale gatherings of people pressed shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder 
as long it was as long as it was in support of some acceptable social justice goal. Well, also, it was okay in airplanes. Well, I, I mean, I mean, this was this was all part of it. That's what I mean. The masks were we all we knew this stuff was ineffective. Well, and, I mean, and yet we continued to do it in spite of you know whatever. And I, again, I, I say this this was ideological blinders. This was bureaucratic self interest. It doesn't really matter what the science was. If we can, if we, and, and, and I mean, the, the government just extended the state of emergency. The Biden people just extended the state of emergency through July. And the reason for that is not because there's a state of emergency. The reason for that is because this is a way of massively diverting money to to entitlement programs under under the uh, the COVID emergency uh, spending requirements that normally you know they're going to have to turn that spigot off. All right, Lou. Uh, I'm gonna, as usual, I love to I love to push back. Uh, once in a while, I actually get to be right, and this might. I think if I had the time, if I could clone myself, okay, oh you don't want to have two of me. Uh, and just put one one stuck in a university for about six months, I think I could draw an amazing conclusion, because uh, you don't ever want to start your study thinking what you know what the conclusion is. It screws up your research. But I think we're going to find that this was amazingly class-generated and that the the people, I mean, you had the Bill Gateses of the world and who's the guy who likes to short all the stocks and uh, all coming out and saying, if we don't do what we're supposed to do and have full lockdowns where nobody gets to go out. Of course, these guys have the 10,000 square foot, you know, penthouse in New York by themselves and everything delivered to them. But sending people home... The term you're looking for is the laptop class Yeah, was driving this. Because the laptop class was not affected. Right. But the, the bus drivers still were there every day. Yep. The guy stocking groceries was still there. The cops were still out there. The The truck drivers... Yeah, the the shippers, the logistics, the manufacturers—they still had to function. When you used to leave the office, you used to wave to the dudes downstairs in engine company number one, and when those guys left, seven guys still piled in the back of that fire truck to go go fight a fire. They didn't say I got to be six feet apart. They went and fought the fire. Nobody cared no. about them. No, we were not. Yeah, we were not interested in this, and this is why you this this the shift suddenly went from. Adults to children. Yeah. What's the What's the basis for that? There's no scientific basis for that. Audrey, Audrey's uh, um, her cousin, who unfortunately passed recently, but their neighbors, uh, good people, and they. Uh, um, she's a special ed teacher, and he does some other stuff. But anyway, they've got three kids, and this is out in Homer Glen, right, which is Southwest, and they and the the kids are. Uh, he just happens to have. One in high school, one in what's the middle school, and one's in, in grammar school. Like, they're, but they're like three years apart, so they're right in the. Because one of them uh, has uh, the the high school. They're going like three days a week, kind of no matter what. Uh, and uh, the, the middle school, they they're they're not going like at all. And then the, the grammar school, two kids in the same class came down with COVID. So if you're in the same class, two kids is considered. An outbreak, even there's only two kids in the school, so they send them home on an emergency basis. So I got one there, one going two days a week, one shut down, and one going like pretty much full time. And guess what? They're all sitting in my living room watching TV. <laughs> you know, what what is what is the purpose of this? The same person's there, making the, it, the purpose. Of, the purpose of this is to pay fealty to the teachers union. 
Well, yeah. I mean, this is this is all driven. Much of what happened with our children was driven by Randy Weingarten and the and the teachers unions, who who literally and I'm this is a matter of public record. We're dictating policy yep. to the Centers for Disease Control, and and I, I mean, at what point does does somebody in the political leadership stand up? And it's not happening in this administration. No. Stand up and say, "This is stupid. Our children are not at risk well, of this disease. This well, is an old person's disease and a fat person's disease." Well, well, you, 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 Get off your couch, start exercising. And if you're old, get the vaccine and take care of yourself. Look, we, we've got as, as an attorney. I can't. Sometimes you're uh, when, when you when you when you lapse into the the common sense side of your your Air Force uh, well-being. You, you you forget your attorney side. Everybody is <laughs> everybody is totally paranoid. I mean, when I was by the one Chief, time, let I, me throw one more let me throw yeah. one more thing out before it goes out of my head at this hour of the morning. After I was so rudely awakened, yes. Um, if we thought, if the Biden people really thought that this mask issue on airplanes and, and, and in transportation arenas was a big deal, they would have been. If they believed it, if it was being done for something other than purely political reasons, they would have been back into federal court yesterday afternoon at the 11th Circuit, demanding a stay of the judge's order pending appeal. They did not. Lou, I think... Instead, they rolled over. I think they are using the judge's decision as an excuse, as cover, for a decision they know they should have made months ago. I, I'm absolutely with you. Absolutely. They they, they, they have people in the administration that, that, are, that are cast... There's people... Yesterday I read something here in the Chicago paper... There's people advocating people wearing masks forever the rest of their life. So I mean, right. so I mean, what it did. What, I think he was the happiest man on earth when he got this this thing from. Well, the, uh, he was the happiest man on earth after the Easter Bunny got him squared away in his in his office. <laughs> no, did well, you see that video? Oh no, I did not. Uh, I didn't oh my God! That. Okay, um, I I suggest you find this one. He's at the White House egg roll or whatever it is on Easter. And he's talking to the reporters, and of course, it's ad hoc. He's wandered over there and is starting to mumble something about Afghanistan. Oh, God. And the Easter Bunny, whoever the White House press aide, it's a woman, I think, who's dressed as the Easter Bunny, rushes up and pushes him away from the press line. And, And basically pushes him in the direction to get him away from the press. Unbelievable. It, it is the funniest. It, it, it's pathetic. It's it's hilarious, but it's pathetic. But people people are, they're on that, they're on that horse. And I, anyway, as long as the Easter Bunny yeah. got him squared away on somebody, this, somebody yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure they can hardly wait to have it. They looked at that judge and said, my God, this woman is a godsend. Yeah, do you, do you think they really, when they extended it two weeks, you think they really wanted to do that? They didn't. No, no, they and and the two weeks, the two weeks, and so they and they issue this lame-o justification. CDC uses this lame-o justification, saying, "Well, we need two more weeks to study the virus." And I'm going, yeah. "I'm sorry, I don't think 
I know a little bit about virology and a little bit about, you know, epidemiology, and I'm pretty sure if you're trying to study a virus, that two weeks isn't going to make okay, any but difference. Well, I have one more comment because I'm, since I'm doing my Lou arguing this morning. Uh, you know, kind of be careful when you talk about the being able to send the money to certain people. If you, I, I, I think these numbers are right, Lou. I'm usually pretty good at this. If you take all the dough... the you look at the PPP thing in Illinois, and I think it was something like $28 billion, some big number, and you go through the list of every person who got it is on this list. The only problem is because of uh, a lot of times you can't tell because the, the doing business name is not the same as the place that got the money. Uh, you can't really, you can't tell who everybody got it, but if you knew all the names, you could. Um, you take all that dough, and you take all the dough, to, well, I'm talking like a South Sider, all that dough, and and you, and you combine that with the uh, amount of money that uh, individual people got in the mail with the twelve hundred hours and the eight hundred and the other twelve or whatever the hell it was. If you combine all that dough, I think it's around twenty five to thirty percent of the whole amount of money that was dedicated to this. Now, uh, to be charitable and to be correct here, which I try to be, not so much charitable but correct. I think out of the remaining seventy to seventy five percent. Probably fifteen to twenty has never been has never been spent. It was allocated, and it's still yes. I think uh, that's so, right. So, but still, you have more than fifty percent of the cash went to places that are totally unidentified. When how much money do you think they gave United Airlines? How much? How much did you give JetBlue? Where a year later they're trying to buy another place cash? Oh, I know. It, you know. It's it's how, geez, I think I think they're talking about here in in uh, Colorado. Like a hundred million in in just fraud, just fraud here, and we don't have really efficient fraudsters here in Colorado like we do in Illinois and California or New York. You know the people here are sort of amateurish about fraud. Well, Illinois and so, the city of Chicago. So I, imagine, I can only imagine what industrial fraud looks like with that money going out well, to California. I, I mean, I, California, I think, is, is like, it's close to a billion dollars that they lost. Well, but you, if you, there's spots here, I mean, it's actually, you can find most of this stuff if you really want to spend some time doing it. Illinois, this year, has a balanced budget. The city of Chicago has a, a balanced, they made their pension payment. All this money came from the Fed. And, and you know, yeah. but here's, I don't know if you've been, well, you've been better things to do than listen to me ranting about in, inflation, but this, uh, Somebody, plus, you know what, Lou? Now I know where I got it from. It was sent to uh, Audrey from my uh, my former dentist, who's dead. That's why he's my former dentist. His daughter, uh, he, he he must be a member of this uh, Hillsdale College group. You ever hear of these guys? Yes. Well, yeah, I, I know who Hillsdale is. Uh, but anyway, one of the guys sent me this thing on inflation, and uh, it is absolutely spectacular. He, but he, but he, everything that I've been saying, well, spectacular as he agrees with me, but... Way, he has way more knowledge of the history of this than I do, and he takes a very interesting tone on it a little. I mean, if I know I've said it a few times, but I've never explained it exactly like like he did. He says basically, if you want to spend more money than you take in as a government, which you do in more time and you do it in times of COVID and whatever else you do, he says you you either tax it, you borrow it, or you print it. And uh, and he he, he made the. Uh, the comparison between the North and the South in the Civil War, where the North predictably had enough, they could actually raise taxes on people, which they did. Well, not on people, on tariffs and uh, what's the other stuff they used to have, uh, excise taxes. And then they actually went out and borrowed a bunch because there were people in the, 
So they really only had to print 10 to 12 percent of the overspend of the war, uh, which they brought them to an inflation level, predictably, of 10 to 12, 15 percent, which is manageable. After the war, they basically dragged the greenbacks back in and and eradicated the inflation. But the South, on the other hand, had, uh, you know, they had no ability to do that. So they were, they were, 60 percent of the money that they were spending was, was, was essentially printed up by the government. And they didn't have very good paper mills, so it was easy to counterfeit, so add another 30% to that. Well, within two years, their inflation rate was like 200%, and, and you could actually make the, the argument that that's what lost the Civil War for the South, the total disintegration of their currency and everything. Um, but the funny part is, right now, Lou, when you talk about this spending, that's the same trick bag we're in now. And the, the Republicans, not, you know, not that anybody wants their taxes going up, are absolutely bonkers on this Corporations should only pay twenty one percent when everybody else is paying thirty three. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, somewhere along the line, if you look at the last, I went back now on the Treasury stuff for the last year or two. We are financing more of our deficit with printed money than the friggin' consp- con- Confederacy did. Yeah, I mean, because we can't can't raise taxes. I, I Lou, I tell you what, I would make a tax situation. I'd say everybody pays the same amount. If it's thirty three percent, whatever it is. Corporations, people, whatever it is, the only difference is I would make the corporations uh, able to deduct dividends because the person pays for it on the other end and they shouldn't pay twice. That would change a lot of stuff, these massive places like Berkshire Hathaway, places that have trillions of dollars and they don't never pay anybody a dividend. We need to fix all that, Lou, and I, I think you could do it with a tax system that just says we're all paying the same amount, by the way, deduct the dividends. I think well, it's going to take, it's gonna take a... Um, a revolution, a populist revolution, to do that, and and it's going to take a Donald Trump, somebody with the command of of Donald Trump, backed by a lot of states and governors who can track the voting procedures, and it's going to take a groundswell in the country. Uh, that allows somebody like that to get control of both houses, because you're not otherwise you're not going to see it. Um, Nancy asked me that question uh, two weeks ago when she was in. She said, "Chief, if you were to run for president, which of course I have knew, I, I wouldn't. I want to run for dog catcher." She I said, "What would it take?" I said, "Well, Trump did it in my my estimation all wrong. You need." A group with you. You have people that need to support you. You would need at least ten senators running with you, and maybe thirty reps. And and a, a few, you, know, you need a, you need a party, but you need to get enough people in there to where you have some chutzpah in both houses of Congress. And you have to have support afterward. You can't just get in there and, and assume you're going to you're going to you're going to insult the bureaucracy to the point where they're going to do what you want them to do. That, that didn't work. It's never going to work. You need to have power behind you where they think. If they don't, if they don't listen to you, there's going to be forty senators next time, and not not ten. You, you need to continue to. Is this? Boy, am I sound like I'm from Chicago, Lou? You need you need to become somebody that is. I use the term feared, not not feared. You're going to put no, them. That's in right. Feared is right. Uh, you're, we got to go. We got to go back to the our uh, Machiavelli 101. It is better that it is better that the prince be feared than respected. Well, I mean, the, the, when I say feared, if you're going to sit there and not work with me for four years. I'm going to have one of somebody from my party run against you. 
That's well, it's not. It's not even that. It's it's along the lines of if you are undermining my administration at the federal bureaucratic level, you're fired. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to start removing. I'm going to start removing people from their jobs, and if they want to, they want to take it through the Merit Systems Protection Board and fight it through the Civil Service Reform Act. Hey, that's great. I'll see you in a few years. Yeah. But for right now, you're not getting a paycheck, and your health insurance is cut off. That that would start to turn things around. I, I honestly believe that the federal bureaucracy is totally untrustworthy, unless you are of a particular political bent, <clears throat> and that political bent is one that supports the federal bureaucracy. Yeah. If you're not that guy or woman, you aren't going to get support. I, I think it would it would honestly take. Somebody, and a boy, as a president, you could never, this is totally non-protocol. You would need to show up at an SEC meeting or something, or whatever it is, and say, you know, where you guys are going, it's not where we want to go. And if you get any, any bark back, you say, what did what the guy say in, uh, uh, absence of malice, Wilford Brimley? When, when I leave, somebody's head is going to be in my briefcase? Well, or you just, or you just say, you know, you're not, you're a political appointee. Uh, goodbye. Yeah. You know, or you're, you're a, you're a member of the Federal Executive Service. Goodbye. Yep. Maybe it'd be hard yeah, to Yeah, no, there, 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 are, there are ways to deal with that. Boy, I'd, I'd hate that job though. I'd hate, I hate having to do that. That would not be me. I don't know. Some people actually love it. I don't. I mean, getting rid of people, I can't. Anyway, Lou, thank you very much. Talk to you on Thursday, your usual spot. SB Futures now down one and a quarter. Uh, NASDAQ down 13. We're just flipping a little back and forth across the flat line here. Nothing major. Uh, Eliani, nice job. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Time to time, everyone goes bust. You'll be back in the game before you know it.